Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 17th, 2010. And uh, we're going to continue here, switching gears. We're going to talk right now about the potential coming economic collapse and the potential for martial law in the next, oh, anywhere from between now to three months. Now, before we get into that, let's go over some Bible verses to get our perspective here, because I don't want to get our eyes fixated on the situation. I want to get our eyes fixated on the Word of God, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we can talk about those subjects, uh, I think, from a more biblical perspective. Psalm thirty-three, sixteen through 22 says, There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. Meaning, there's no king saved by it like the host of an army. Okay, A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. In other words, if God isn't in it, it doesn't matter. He can be the strong, strongest guy on the planet, have the best horse, could be the biggest, baddest king with the biggest army. It doesn't really matter if God's not there to protect you know, or, or give his blessing on a particular situation. Uh, next verse, thirty-three, nineteen says, To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Oh, no, hold on. I'm sorry. I skipped a verse. Psalm thirty-three, eighteen says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Okay, so again, I, I've emphasized quite a bit in the past, fear of the Lord. If it's not something that you feel like you have, then it's something I believe you can pray for. Okay? Uh, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that feareth him and delivereth him. These are different Bible verses related to the fear of the Lord. So, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Well, hoping in his mercy also implies you have faith. So, fear the Lord, faith. Uh, there's kind of a common denominator there. Next verse. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine... Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For Next verse. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. And then to the next chapter, verse 7 through 9, 34, 7 through 9. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and delivereth them. That's the verse I just went over. And again, we have fear the Lord and what's implied there? Angelic protection. Sounds pretty good to me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Trusting in him also implies faith. So, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. And, and there's more blessings connected with fear the Lord in Psalms and in Proverbs than, you know, it's, it's amazing. So, um... Just want to give you that a little bit of perspective there before we get into this. This is an article by Phil Brennan, uh, October 15th, a couple days ago. With the U.S. government preparing to seize private and public pensions in order to bankrupt the American people and bring them down to a poverty as part of the full-spectrum full dominance plans, the risk of American society collapsing into anarchy and rioting is extremely high over the next few months. Plans have already been in place the past 26 years with Rex 84 to bring the USA under martial law in such an eventuality. The military have been training extensively over this time period specifically to take on American people with the national level program. Now, this article has a lot of different links if you're not understanding what I'm talking about, like Rex 84, martial law, national level program that you can click on and it'll take you to a separate article or definition for that particular term. Uh, specifically to take on the American people with national level program of army exercises. National level exercises 2010 have had exercises in Chicago, Illinois, entitled Operation Vigilant Guard, where foreign troops were training with the U.S. military to take out patriots and confiscate legally held guns from the American people. Now, the, the day and time's coming when this is going to be reality. People can deny it all they want, but... This is what the government has been planning for decades. This exact eventuality. Okay? Going further, it says, Operation Vigilant Guard reveals the ongoing effort to not only destroy Posse Comitatus, once upon a once-upon-a-time designated, designed to prevent the military from working with state, local, and law enforcement, 
but the globalist effort to incorporate foreign, quote, partners into any future effort to impose martial law and gun confiscation in response not only to hurricanes, but a contrived terrorist event. So what they want to do is bring in foreign troops that hate our guts already. They'll have no problem going door-to-door, doing whatever they have to do, and annihilating uh, much of the American populace because they have no loyalty to us. They have no, no, obviously they're not Americans, they don't care, and they'll have no problems doing this. Now, again, this is all totally apart from the Lord Jesus Christ being able to protect you in a given situation. Okay, so most of the time when you hear this information presented, they just like lay it out there and they say, you gotta do this, and you gotta, you know... Now, I'm all for preparing. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and are punished, as the Bible says. The Bible, Jesus Christ also said, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things coming upon this world regarding the end times and to stand before the Son of Man. So I think those are things that we should do. Um, So I'm not saying don't prepare, but the reality is, is your faith has to be rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your soul hope of true protection regarding this matter. And he can guide you to do certain things in order to, again, the prudent man foreseeth evil, hideth himself, the simple pass on and are punished. So, um, you just have to keep the right mindset when you're talking about this type of stuff. And most people, it, they just present one side of this, and it's almost like you, you, you get put into a panic, like, oh my word, what am I going to do? I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And, and really, you need to take it to the Lord in prayer, pray about these things, See where the Lord would lead you. Um, You know, you could literally get, I believe that you could literally be in a city where you got nuked. Nuclear explosion. And God could still protect you. If it was his will. But you have to have the faith to believe he can do that as well. Uh, Let's go forward here. Uh, This is the final phase of the DDCN doctrine of demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and then normalization. So in other words, they demoralize you first, then they destabilize the economy and everything else, and then the crisis comes, which we're right on the cusp of that, and then normalization, meaning now you've been conditioned, you've been traumatized to to accept something as normal that you would have never accepted as normal prior to that point. Okay, so... Demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and then normalization. Uh, It's the whole Hegelian dialectic. So, reading... Okay, readying the world for the Bancor to be brought in as the one world currency. That's what most of the outlets are saying now will be the one world currency. It's called the Bancor. Okay? One world currency, one world government, the whole nine yards. In order for this hostile takeover to be successful, they have to first destabilize any potential resistance before the crisis phase is fully enacted. That's where we're at now. We're in destabilization. This is why the Southern Poverty Law Center, under the auspices of of the Department of Homeland Security, are doing everything in their power to demoralize patriots and constitutionalists, the Tea Parties, the veterans, gun owners, and libertarians, and I would also say Christians as well, these people will be the first in the breach to resist tyranny. Meaning they're going to be the first ones to actually resist tyranny, most likely. Meanwhile, the Mayak reports in the Department of Justice are also trying to character assassinate large swaths of American society, as well as the feds targeting disgruntled veterans. As the crisis phase swings into full economic meltdown, the U.S. military will take over. More and more of the infrastructure as cities can no longer afford to employ staff. The ability to do this has already been listed in several presidential executive orders. And I'm going to list them, and I give you a link to every single one of these if you want to check them out, if you don't believe they're true. Or even if you want to just verify it. Executive Order 10990 allows the government to take over all modes of transportation and control highways and seaports. That means that any form of transportation that you have, they can commandeer, take over, and take possession of, and take away from you. Any mode of transportation. Executive Order 10995 allows the government to seize and control the communication media. Uh, Executive Order 10. 
0997 allows the government to take over all electrical power, gas, petroleum, fuels, and minerals. Executive Order 10998 allows the government to seize all means of transportation, including personal cars, trucks, vehicles of any kind, and total control over all highways, seaports, and waterways. Executive Order 10999 allows the government to take over all food resources and farms. I mean, you talk about painting somebody into a corner, you know, and I'm just getting started. Executive Order 11000 allows the government to mobilize civilians into work brigades under government supervision. So they, they you, under these executive orders, understand you have no right to your own body, to your own family, to your own possessions. You are bought, owned, and controlled by the government. So, again, I really believe the only hope for you would be the Lord Jesus Christ's protection in hiding you, you know, in, in the secret place. The Bible says, under the covert of thy wings will I make my, uh, will I make my refuge. In other words, under the cover of God's wings will we make our refuge. And I do believe he's, gonna, he's going to shield a lot of people from this. Um, but this is what they're planning just so you all know, meaning, you know, if you had any food resources or, or a farm or whatever, they can commandeer, take it over, and you have no say-so. I mean, it sounds fair to me, right? Uh, let's go further. Executive Order 1101 allows the government to take over all health, education, and welfare functions. 11002 designates the Postmaster General to operate a national registration of all persons. Ah, you know, that's the big brother, real big brother aspect. You know, we're going we're gonna to have this national registration of all people. Uh, Executive Order 11003 allows the government to take over all airports, aircraft, including commercial aircraft. 11004 allows the Housing and Finance Authority to relocate communities, build new housing and public funds, designate areas to be abandoned, and establish new locations for populations. Well, that's when they herd you all into their designated locations in the cities, and they rewild America. And, and you know, basically, I mean, honestly, if I ever got caught up in this, I, I would just rather, I'd rather not be here personally. Uh, I, I'd, you know, I mean, this is, if you were to get caught up in this, I mean, it is going to be horrific. But I honestly believe if you're on one of their lists, either blue or red, um, you're not going to make it this far. They're going to have the, the internment camps, which well documented. There's over, I believe, 800 of them in the United States, and they've been preparing these things for years. Um, so a lot of this stuff in, in regard to an internment camp would probably be the least of, of your worries if you got caught in the middle of this. And again, I'm saying this from a purely physical standpoint. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm trying to present the biblical side. I'm also trying to present the the, the side where we're just stating facts here. Okay? So, don't get your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. Executive Order 11921. Uh, let's see here. Well, I, I skipped one. 11051. Or 11005 allows the government to take over all air, railroads, inland waterways, and public storage facilities. 11051. Specifies responsibility of the Office of Emergency Planning, gives authorization to put all executive orders into effect in the times of increased international tensions and economic or financial crises. So, wouldn't it take a whole lot for that executive order to kick in, and then it wouldn't kick in all the other executive orders we just mentioned. And I'm leaving some out here for time's sake. Executive Order 11921 allows the Federal Emergency Preparedness Agency to develop plans to establish control over mechanisms of production and distribution of energy sources, wages, salaries, credit, and the flow of money in the U.S. financial institution in any undefined national emergency. It also provides that when a new state of emergency is declared by the President, Congress cannot review the action for six months. So, Devil Boy, who's our president right now, okay, if that executive order kicked in, it provided that when the president declared national emergency, the Congress couldn't even review his decision for six months. 
I mean, this is a total insanity, is all I can say about all of these executive orders. I mean, this is like Big Brother on steroids. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has broad powers in every aspect of the nation. Executive Order 12148, created by the Federal Emergency Management Agency to interface with the Department of Defense for civil defense planning and funding. An emergency czar was appointed for this. FEMA has only spent about 6% of its budget on national emergencies. The bulk of their funding has been used for the construction of secret underground facilities to assure the continuity of government in case of a major emergency foreign and domestic. Do you know that they have been stockpiling, I mean, literal cities of like food and water and all types of ways to even grow things underground and medical facilities and all types of things underground for years and years and years and years. FEMA, the mon- all the money that's went into FEMA, okay, all the billions, only 6% of its budget has been spent on national emergencies. The rest, the bulk, has been spent on the construction of these secret underground bases known as DUMBs, D-U-M-B, Deep Underground Military Bases. That's what it stands for. And they're real. And there's a whole system of tunnels underneath America and worldwide that connect them. And there's, we have technology that, we're, that hasn't even been revealed to us, but they've got um, essentially a monorail-type system. And these bad boys can go Mach 2, 3, 4 underground, if not higher. You can literally be from one side of the United States to the other side of the United States like in a half an hour, I've heard. They go so fast. And it's extremely advanced technology that's being suppressed. They've got um, the Air Force, and I've seen pictures of them. You could go up on the internet and do keyword searches for these underground boring units that are nuclear-powered, and they literally melt the rock as they go through it. And it creates like this, it's so hot that it literally creates like a glazed black glass marble tunnel that they use to tunnel underground. They can go two or three miles an hour, I believe. And they've been crisscrossing, creating these tunnels for decades. Now, do we know about any of this? No. This would be considered more in the black ops, black projects of our government, which is where a major, major portion of tax dollars goes to, particularly Internal Revenue Service dollars. That also goes to paying the International Monetary Fund and supporting every manner of wickedness. But that's a whole other story. So, all the stuff's going on underground, and, and, you know, they're going to make sure that they take care of their own when things get really, really bad. And what they want is they want whatever type of cataclysmic chaos to go on here at ground level while they're nice and cozy sipping, you know, their hot cocoa underground and everybody else is being annihilated above. That's what they're planning for humanity. I mean, let's face it, they want, they have vowed to reduce world population, and I believe the Georgia Guidestones is the most accurate one, to 500 million. Well, 500 million is almost a 95% reduction based on current 6.8 billion population that we have, I believe, it's around there. 95 to 90%. So they got to do it some way. And they've got a lot of really draconian things planned for us. And again, This is the devil's plan. None of it's going to take God by surprise. He knows the beginning from the end. And I don't care how bad it gets. He can still protect you. Or use you mightily. And even if you're martyred, then death is the doorway to heaven. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We get out of this corrupt ball of dirt that we're on right now. And I know God made it, and 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 I'm, I'm not knocking that. But, you know, it's so wicked. I mean, people are becoming more and more wicked. I mean, by the day, it seems like. And I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Just, it defies life. I mean, I just, the the wickedness that's going on is uh, hard to describe or hard to comprehend. But it's getting worse, and the Bible predicted it was going to be that way. So, let's go further. Again, another lighthearted subject we're talking about here. Um, uh, Let's see. Executive Order 12656 
appointed the National Security Council as the principal body that should consider emergency powers. This allows the government to increase domestic intelligence and surveillance of U.S. citizens. Oh, good. That's just what we need. We need a little more domestic intelligence and surveillance of U.S. citizenry and would restrict the freedom of movement within the United States and grant the government to the right to isolate large groups of civilians. Now, this is honestly, this is part of the demoralization process. When they let these things out, what they're trying to do is let you think, you know, we got you like a caged rat, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you know what? My God is on high, and he ever maketh intercession for his saints, and he is my heavenly advocate, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he's bigger than you and your God, Satan. That's what we need to keep our eyes fixed on. I'm just giving you this just to let you know what they're, they're going to try to pull off. Uh, let's see here. The National Guard would then be federalized to seal all borders and take control of the U.S. airspace and ports of entry. Then there's the 1950 Defense Production Act, which gives the President sweeping powers over all aspects of our economy. There's the Act of August 29, 1916, that authorizes the Secretary of the Army in time of war to take possession of any transportation system for transporting troops, material, and or other purposes related to the emergency. As more and more patriots become leaders in their communities, uh, some will become targets for assassination. Particularly if you're on the red list. Somebody like me, I mean, you know, I know I'd be on the red list. Red list is the first ones they're going to come after. But again, I'm not sitting over here quaking in my boots. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I mean that. So, there, and I hope I can be an encouragement to some, to some people out there to understand we're not supposed to sit here and, and be um, living in abject fear over worst case scenario. It's not how God would have us live. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, this isn't something we need to be getting into, but true, granted, but there's a lot of, let's say, people in the Patriot movement that aren't born-again Christians and um, really, most likely, aren't going to be able to appropriate any type of protection from God at all. I'm not saying God couldn't protect them. But, um, now, in that case, I would be afraid because just the fact of if they get to me, you know, and they take me out, here I, you know, I'm, I'm in hell for eternity. So, um, as more and more patrons become leaders in their communities, some will become targets for assassination, either through predator drone strikes or kill capture teams. Especially those who are fully aware of all that is going on geopolitically and are standing up against it. Do not be deceived. This is not for Islamic militants hiding out in caves. It is for the American people. No, they're, they're encouraging Islam. I mean, they're promoting Islam. They're just going to use Islam as a tool to implement a lot of this stuff. We have some type of false flag, dirty suitcase nuclear bomb from some supposed Islamic terrorist. That's all it's going to take to plunge us into this. And with the hatred that exists from Islam to this country, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, um, you know, be no wonder if that happened. With state nullification and state succession being openly discussed by many people who are either standing for office this November or are supporting independent candidates. Many of us are watching warily for signs of an October surprise. Now, here we are, we're a little bit past the midpoint of October, but again, the October surprise is some type of, maybe false flight nuclear event, maybe some type of terrorist event, uh, who knows, but there's a little link there if you want to learn more about the October surprise, you can click on. Um, this October supply prize, either in the form of another illegal war of trade, I'm not sure what they mean by that, or a false flag terrorism event, or even the fall of the Republic before the November elections even take place, and the declaration of martial law. As an alternative intelligence community chatter gets louder concerning impending martial law, and sources are noting the mobilization of the 82nd Airborne Division, marshals are being called now for interstate training exercises. We're going to talk about that in a second under suspicious circumstances and various other signs that suggest imminent declaration of martial law. We have to decide then to put our martial law risk at severe now. 
Um, so again, outlets like Alex Jones and Steve Quayle and them are probably one of the best places to go for kind of breaking news in those areas. Now, I understand I just got into a lot of stuff with uh, Alex Jones recently, and I'm just pointing out things. I'm not saying you can't glean, but I'm saying there's some other major problems there, obviously, that that you want to look at as far as from a theological, biblical standpoint. Um, Beyond that, there's another website up there. Uh, I'll get that for you. Okay, so another one to kind of keep you on there. It's one called PatriotResistance.com. PatriotResistance.com. They've got their own website. They've got, a, I believe, a DEF CON page. You can click on the right thing. It'll say DEF CON activated. And, um, like, I'm clicking on it right now. And it'll tell you if there's any alerts in, in a lot of different given areas, either in the USA or globally, regarding different things. Like, for instance, I'm going to read this to you. DEFCON 1 would be national disasters. Uh, DEFCON 2 alerts would be man-made disasters. DEFCON 3 alerts, martial law. Uh, DEFCON 4 alerts, military movements. And then just general DEFCON USA national alerts. And then it's got a whole other thing. DEFCON California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. These are all border watch things. And then it's got DEFCON Global, Global Alerts. So, um, I'm really surprised there's nothing lit up on this page in light of all the stuff that we're going to be talking about in a second here. But, you know, that's why it's good to have multiple sources you check because if you're just dependent on one site, it's kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. And it's good. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. And out of the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So, again, uh, it's good to kind of get some different opinions on different things. Okay, first of these alerts. Now, this is off Steve Quayle's site for this week. And I, and I know, I've, I've had people I know email me saying, you know, Steve Quayle's never been right. about. Well, that's not true, actually. Um, there's been a lot of different things he said in the past that have come to pass. Okay. You could say the same thing about me, about the uh, avian flu, or about the H1N1, but you have to understand the very reason that I was doing, warning people about H1N1, or avian flu, or different things, is so that there would be enough public awareness of it, and enough prayer going up regarding a given situation, which is actually by far the most important thing, that it would thwart Satan's agenda or plan for that particular thing and give us a little more time to prepare as the remnant, as Christians. Okay? So, I don't view because something doesn't come to pass. I'm, I'm, I'm never up there saying, thus saith the Lord, this is going to happen at such and such a date. Never have I done that. Okay? I, I won't go there unless God ever decided to do that, but he has not done that with me in times past. I've never claimed to be a prophet or anything like that, just a watchman. So, by creating public awareness and that, many times that by itself throws a gigantic monkey wrench into the Illuminati's plans because they say, oh, this cat's out of the bag. There's too many people that know about this. We're going to have to switch gears and plan for something different. We're going to have to try to do it more secretively. Okay, so again, that's part of my reason for reading you what I'm going to be reading you now. These are some of the most recent um, alerts that have come into Steve Quayle. He says that these alerts have been backed up typically by two or three other sources per thing that I'm reading you. Uh, First one, martial law alert, banking collapse, scenarios for fall, winter 2010. As with our first martial law alert, we have held back our assessment of the financial collapse currently underway until we gather enough information. Since our focus is martial law, we always look at current events with an eye toward assessing the conditions that would be necessary for the president and or the military to implement martial law. And since we try to stay at least one step ahead of the game in order to warn people, such assessments must of necessity be speculative in nature. Nothing stated herein is guaranteed to happen. The purpose of these alerts is to get people thinking outside the mainstream media box so that they might be better prepared to meet any eventuality. And this includes being prepared mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And being prepared physically includes being prepared financially as well. 
Also, also, I think the most important thing is to be able to pray about something, because if you don't even know a crisis may be brewing, how would you even think to pray about such a thing? You know, it's out of sight, out of mind. You don't even know. So that's my main motivation for, a big motivation for this whole ministry. Okay, so next report. Massive helicopter activity in Tucson, Arizona area. There's been a lot of military activity in my area of North Tucson. Now, this is a person writing into Steve Quayle. We are nowhere near the Davis Mount Monathan Air Force Base. And these aircraft are flying west to east and fairly low. Yesterday, we had around 20 Ospreys flying overhead. That's a particular type of aircraft. Uh, toward the Catalina Mountain Range, we have had a large number of Cobras, Apaches, Blackhawks, and F-18s. What is going on? I have pilot friends at the base, and they are not saying anything. I'm becoming quite concerned at the number of aircraft and frequency of flights in the past two weeks. Next report. Gold hits new record on dollar weakness. Gold prices hit new record highs on Thursday, fueled by dollar weaknesses as hopes of more monetary easing by the U.S. The Federal Reserve continued to run high, aided by Singapore's move to let its currency appreciate. Silver rose to a fresh year top at a fresh 30-year top. 30 years to $24.38 an ounce. I mean, man, if you bought silver when it was like four or five bucks an ounce, whoo, you have made some serious money without doing a thing, you know. But again, this is real money. Gold is real money. And you can go all the way back to biblical antiquity. It was still real money back then, still real money now. This garbage that they give us now, these paper notes, it's set up for a fall. There's nothing back in it. It's what they call fiat currency. It's fake. It's like monopoly money. There's nothing back in it. You know, they just print more and more and more, which creates more and more inflation, which makes everything ultimately worse. So, anyway, palladium hit $603, its highest in more than nine years, as the sinking dollar unleashed a broad rally in commodities. And there's, to a lot of these, there's, there's little links that you can click on to explore more. This next one uh, is entitled 29 Palms Marine Base. At a restaurant at 29 Palms, I guess it's a marine base, I met a high-ranking officer. During the casual conversation, he revealed that he is with Army PSYOPs, meaning psychological operations. It's kind of part of their black programs. And is training Ukrainians at the marine base. Remember what I said about foreign troops? This has been going on for decades. Without prompting him and just listening, he mentioned that the base is sending many soldiers from the base to Kosovo for their own training. He showed a picture on his cell phone of the Ukrainian soldiers. Next one, strange events. Hi, well, if there is anything to that bit of news that the shoe must be, go- must, must be going to drop, I also got a bit of information from someone whose relative was in the military. They had a sneak peek into some large box into a, a large box of ship of shipments that just came in and said there were interstate closed signs and those injectable chips they put in the hand or the arm. Remember we reported on this before about those steel ID bracelets that, that in, with about the forced vaccinations and checkpoints on the roads? Well, that reminded me of that story about as much as anything I had read since then. Interstate closed signs and injectable chips they put in the hand. Now that, again, that's, I'm not sure whether they would try to implement that in some type of pandemic, or whether just maybe martial law, I don't know. Okay, But he said the info came from an ex-military ranking officer. Now these are all reports that have just come in in like the last week, just so you know. Next one. I'm a police officer in the southeast. We had surplus M14s and 45 autos, meaning 45 automatic handguns and M14 uh, rifles, on loan to us from the Army for years. Each year, the chief has to inventory them and send the results to the Army. This year, he was required to physically take the weapons to a depot for a hands-on inventory. They, there were many police departments there uh, with their surplus Army-issued weapons. They were all told that they would have to give the weapons back to the Army in the near future and that they would be making arrangements to have them picked up. I thought this was interesting timing with your other articles. Why would they want to do that? Because, here's why. 
they do not want these types of weapons being in the hands of, let's say, a true American uh, police officer, state trooper, whoever, that has allegiance to this country and to their families and to other Americans. No, 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 no. What they're trying to do is get rid of, uh, and subtly and covertly, get rid of these weapons that are um, local law enforcement, particularly that's where they really want to go after, sheriffs, local law enforcement. They would want to get rid of those weapons so that when the time comes that they wouldn't have the weaponry uh, to even you know, defend themselves, much less who may be coming after them. Because a big common theme I'm seeing with this is that many people in the military, many people in local, regional, law enforcement will be the first ones they take out. Why? Because they've already psychologically profiled them. They know that they're going to be faithful, you know, like let's say an American, that they're not going to um, shoot American people. So they've got to take them people out first. That's how it's going to go, unfortunately. They're the ones really at the, at the greatest risk. And I've already heard this is starting to happen with, with certain people in various factions of the government that they're just kind of disappearing, different people in the FBI and things of this nature. So um, I've been seeing a lot of different reports of this. And obviously you would want to try to disarm them. Now we're going to give you some more confirmation of this in a second here. Next article. I had dinner three nights ago with a group of local Republicans who hosted a candidate for the state senate here in Oklahoma. One of the attendees was a U.S. Marshal. He had been on for over 25 years, and after finding that I was a retired Tulsa police officer, he said the Marshal Service had an order that he had never seen before. None of the guys he'd worked with had ever seen such an order. Basically, hundreds of U.S. Marshals are being ordered to, quote, in-service training. In another state, can't remember if he said Iowa, Indiana, or another state in that area. And when they get there to these other states, they would have to turn in their issued firearms. It is the, quote, in service, this thing is going to be for a two-week period or longer. And will start just before the November elections. Wow. So these people are these guys are going to have to go out of state, U.S. Marshals. They've never had this done to them before. They're going to get this in-service training, and they're going to take them to another state. The way Steve Quayle put it, if they get you to another state, they're either going to kill you, or they're going to say, hey, guess what? We've got your family, and they're perfectly safe. We've got a little mission for you, and... Unless you play ball with us, we can't guarantee the safety of your family. And they probably won't put it that nice. That's what... He, and he's been saying that for a long time. I, I, this isn't the first time I've ever heard him say that. And it does make sense. Because the ones that maybe they don't want to overtly kill or imprison, they'll try to strong arm them. To get them to do their bidding. I think it's going to get that bad. I really do, in one way, shape, or form. Here's another one. Second confirmation regarding this. Basically, this is another report. Basically, hundreds of U.S. Marshals are being ordered to, quote, in-service training in another state. And when they get there, they would have to turn in their issued firearms. This is consistent with the China model. And they kind of are cryptic here. It says, very few get the toys. This in-service is to be for two weeks or longer, and will start just before the November elections. I have confirmed also we, we will not be told when we will be able to come back home. So what Steve was telling them is that if they tell you this, you better not go because you'll probably never come back or never see your family again. And then he says, welcome to conscription, which is basically like the forced draft. And there's a link on that if you want to explore that further. Another, next article. I printed out your postings from my web from your website, my supervisor gave them to his son's head coach, who is a U.S. Marshal. He looked at him and he said, where did you get this? And he said, I can confirm this. And he is scared, meaning this in-service training. So, yeah, some pretty ominous stuff. Next article. My name is Joe, an oath keeper, constitutionalist, patriot, patriot or just a minute man, take your choice. I had a conversation with a fellow Coast Guardsman. 
I am a vet of the USCG, and he informed me that the Coast Guard has removed all machine guns and automatic weapons from their armories, leaving them with only riot shotguns and pistols. This is what is happening. So if you have any way to verify, you may want to. Add this to the U.S. Marshal turning in their weapons for special training. So, unless every single one of these reports are bogus. But I can guarantee you one thing. Those martial law things that I read you, those are not bogus. That is the real deal. So, just, you know... just pray. These are things to pray about. Govern yourself accordingly. Uh, and do whatever the Lord's you know, having you do, and in whatever preparatory way he might have that, prayer, fasting, preparation, whatever he's leading you to do. Uh, next article here is entitled, Rick Warren, Religious Pluralism, um, Rick Warren and Religious Pluralism. Now, I'm just going to read you some Bible verses regarding this. The Bible says in Second. Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, if I have said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Okay, so all this garbage about us yoking up with other religions as true born-again Bible-believing Christians, the Bible absolutely prohibits it. Okay, a little leaven and leaven at the whole lump, we're not supposed to be doing this. Religious pluralism, before I play these clips, religious pluralism, I, I got this definition specifically so you're going to understand when he uses that phrase, what he's talking about, Rick Warren, at this Islamic conference that he's spoke at and that he's yoking up with. Religious pluralism is loosely defined expression concerning the acceptance of various religions and is used in a number of related ways. Number one, as the name of a worldview, according to which one's religion is not the sole and exclusive author, uh, source of truth. So that's what religious pluralism means. My religion, the Bible, in other words, if I believe in that, is not the exclusive source of truth, if I believe in that. Next definition, as acceptance of the concept that two or more religions with mutually exclusive truth claims are equally valid. Well, that is such asinine garbage. How could two religions with, with um, mutually exclusive truth claims be equally as valid? Only one can be right. God is not the author of confusion. And he's not the author of Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Mormonism, Catholicism, and all these other isms that are only taking people straight to the pit of hell. They're all works-based. They're not based on Bible-believing Christianity by any stretch of the imagination. But that's what religious pluralism is. Two or more religions with mutually exclusive truth claims as equally valid. This posture often emphasizes the religion's common aspects, which is what you're going to see more and more of. Let's, let's not look at what divides us. Let, let's look at what unites us, is what you'll hear him say. I don't want to be united with, with a false religion. Okay, next thing. Sometimes as a synonym for ecumenism, the promotion of some level of unity, cooperation, and improved understanding between different religions or different denominations within a single religion. And then the next thing is a term for the condition of harmonious coexistence between adherents of different religions and religious denominations. So now what we'll do is we'll listen to a couple of these clips from good old um, apostate, straight from the pit of hell, Rick Warren himself. We hear it right out of his own mouth. Okay, so we're going to listen to uh, good old Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, uh, hireling Rick Warren, ushering in Miss the New World Order religion. Uh, at a breakneck speed, he's doing everything that he can to promote this. And this is some type of religious panel roundtable where they're sitting in front of this big crowd, and Rick Warren's one of them, and I believe they're going to ask him for his... Um, 
silver-tongued deviled response regarding various given questions. Sorry, I don't mean to, to... Don't think I don't like them. I mean, I, I don't want to give you that impression. I, I don't want to, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to appear biased here. Sorry, just kidding, teasing. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and play this. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Wish you this question as well, which is about why faith in the modern world as well? Because I think this is, in a, in a sense, quite an important thing, because there will be a lot of people who would say, uh, yeah, okay, we agree with all these values, but why faith? Is that a softball question or what? <laughs> I know that you can handle anything. That's Rick Warren. That. First, I applaud Davos for having this session. And I applaud you for coming to it. It really says more about you than it does about us. Okay. Again, we get into the whole sickening sweet, you know, pandering here. This is that the, 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 all the things behind him are the economic, he's at the economic world form. What is a pastor? Supposedly some pastor doing in an economic world forum where all the world governments are coming together. I mean, the guy is a poster child for Satan, essentially. You know? And, and so he's, he's out there, he's gonna, Syrupy sweet everybody and in just uh anyway here we go if you are a global business leader you need to understand that the future of the world is not secularism it is religious pluralism you may not like that okay remember what i just defined as religious pluralism this devil has come right out off the bat and, and again, I gave you the definition before you heard it, because if you just heard that, you'd think, well, that doesn't sound too bad. At least it has religion in it. No, 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 no. It's really, really bad. It's the one world religious system under Antichrist. That's what he's in reference to, ultimately. So, again, here we go. You're going to have to deal with it. The world is becoming more religious, not less. The myth that as education rises, religion would go down, is that literally a myth? And if you happen to be in a country where either houses of worship are not strong, you have no idea of the vitality of faith around the world and see how influential it really is. There are major problems on our planet. I call them the global giants. They affect not millions of people, but billions of people. Pandemic diseases, extreme poverty, illiteracy, corruption, global warming, spiritual emptiness. We cannot solve these problems without involving people of faith and their religious institutions. It isn't going to happen any other way. Okay, so people of any faith, according to Rick Warren here, according to religious pluralism, all have equal claims to the same, basically same truth. Okay? Um, according to him, we're all on the same playing field. Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Mormons, we're all on the same playing field. There's no there's no difference. And again, he's just uh, very, very obvious that this is a one world, new world order agenda that he's pushing. On this planet, there are about 20 million Jews there are about 600 million Buddhists. There are about 800 million Hindus. There are over 1 billion Muslims. And there are 2.3 billion Christians. If you take people of faith out of the equation, you've ruled out five-sixths of the world. And if we only leave it up to secular people to solve these major problems, it isn't going to happen. Now, I've been coming to Davos for some time, and we always talk about partnerships. And I'm in favor of partnerships, but we've been missing the third leg of the stool. When we talk about partnerships at Davos, we basically talk about public... Even though the Bible says to be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, which were the verses we just read. And this is why I said those things prior to this, so you'd have a biblical uh, construct of what we're talking about here to expose this. In private or public being government and non-government organizations, and private being the for-profit organizations. A one-legged stool will fall over, and a two-legged stool will fall over. You have to have three legs. And the third leg of the stool are the people 
representing faiths on this stage and others. It is the faith component. Government has a role that only government can do. Prophet has a role that only prophet can do. And churches and mosques and synagogues and temples have a role that only they can do. There's some things that churches have. Let me just take my own faith as a, as a Christian pastor. Let me give you some things that government or business will never have that the church has. Uh, number one, we have universal distribution. I could take you to 10 million villages around the world and the only thing in it is a church. They don't have a school. They don't have a business. They don't have a church. I mean, a program. They don't have a fire department. They don't have any government, but they got a church. The church was global 200 years before Davos even started talking about globalization. So he's equating this, in other words, the church infrastructure for a global one world religion that will work with the one world government is already in place. Whether that church in his eyes is a mosque or a Catholic church or a supposed Christian church or a Hindu whatever or a Buddhist, he's lumping that all under the same category. Religion, no matter what religion it is, is all on the same equal footing. And then when the Antichrist, the false prophet come around, they're going to unite all of these other false religions on the planet. I'm not saying they're all false, but obviously the vast majority of them are. And I would include lukewarm Christianity in that, which is what the vast majority of Christianity is, unfortunately. It is truly the only global organization. It speaks more languages than the United Nations. It's in a thousand more people groups than the UN. It is the only truly global organization. So we have universal distribution, and we have used this in disaster relief very effectively. I lead a very small network of about 500,000 churches in 162 countries. That's one little network compared to the Catholic Church, which if you go to uh, Africa, 30% of the health care done on that continent is done by the Catholic Church. You can't ignore that. You, can't, you take the Catholic Church out of Africa, you've just lost the number one provider of, of health care on that, on that continent. Uh, so we have universal distribution. The second thing we have is we have the largest pool of manpower. Not accounting all of but brothers and sisters who are Jews and Muslims and, and uh, other faiths, Hindus, Buddhists. So there are brothers and sisters in Christ, Buddhists, Hindus. I'm not saying I want them to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. But we're not going to have them go to heaven by pandering to their particular religion and letting them think it's on equal footing as Bible-believing Christianity. It's not going to happen. This is the problem because... Bible-believing Christianity is, there's an exclusivity here, and the one world, the coming one world religion will not tolerate that. They cannot tolerate that. They have to have all religions on the same footing. So, again, that's, but his brand of religion, his brand of pseudo-Christianity, that, you know, hey, he's, he's, he's going to play ball with all these people, and he's actively encouraging that. If I could just get one half of Christianity involved in these major conflicts, that'd be a billion people. Hundreds of millions of people serve through their congregation every week at no cost. No government and no business will ever match the commitment of volunteers to faith. None. Ever. You need to understand that as a business leader. The third thing that we have is we have local credibility. Last year I did a world tour where I was did 46,000 miles in 45 days. And in every country, I literally went around the world. In every country I met with the government leaders, usually the president, the prime minister, the top business leaders, and the religious leaders. Well, why? Well, because he's, uh, well, he's a member of the For uh, Council of Foreign Relations, Rick Warren, and he's high-level Illuminati. He's been groomed for this. Um, he is part of the absolute coming one, new world order, one world order, uh, satanic agenda. So he has access to all of these other satanic political heads, which are typically, you know, a lot of them are figureheads. And he's able to rub elbows with them and bring about this new world order into being. This is how wicked and evil many of the people 
are at the highest levels of, I guess, pseudo-Christianity worldwide. So he's just one of the main ones, if not the main one. And in every one of those countries, what I found is when you get down to the local city level, the credibility lies with the imam, the pastor, the priest, the rabbi. Why? Because so that... notice he said the imam, the Muslim imam. So again, they're all on equal footing. That person is marrying, bearing, they're there in the seasons of life, they care for the sick, they help the people. When the wars come, everybody else leaves, all the NGOs pull out, but the church and the mosque stays. Why? It is the community. You can't talk community development without talking about churches and mosques and temples and synagogues. You just can't talk about it because they are the community. So my challenge uh, to you is, can we not all get along? Can we not just work together? I don't have to share... Isn't he sickening? I mean, again, this is the absolute total essence of the coming one world religion. There's just a lot of preparation going on. Uh, particularly in Christianity, for that all to happen. And I would say he's at the absolute tip of the spear. Your motivation, and you don't have to share mine for us to work on things like poverty, disease, and illiteracy, and things like that. Frankly, I don't care why you do good, as long as you do good. Now, there are some people who do good for a political reason. I happen to be on the Council of Foreign Relations in America, and we've learned... He admitted just then he's on the Council, the wickedest, one of the most wickedest, high-level, governmental, either right up there with the Bilderbergers and, and um, the, well, the CFR, obviously, that's what he talked about. Uh, There's so many other organizations like them, okay? But he's one of them. And that's something that, that you have to um, understand about this this guy. He is at a very, very high level uh, up in, I really believe, in the Illuminati food chain. That when you help people with health care in a country, they tend to like your country. You help people get well, they like you. Now, that's not my motivation, but it's a good motivation. I don't have a problem with political motivation. Helping people get well, they like your country, fine. Uh, you may have a profit motivation. You may be a pharmaceutical and say, we're going to make drugs and we're going to do good and make money at the same time. Great. I wish more companies would do that. I wish they'd make profit and do good at the same time. It's not my motive, but uh, it's not a bad motive. You may have a personal motivation. Say, so well, it's not a bad motive for the pharmacia industry to make more drugs. And as, as, as I've said in times past, we've reported on this many, many times, um, He's lumping now the pharma industry into, into this whole thing, one of the most wicked factions of world government, the pharma industry, um, churning out uh, billions of dollars worth of many, many times unnecessary drugs that create horrific side effects that do not treat the source of problems, only perpetuating the problems, creating more side effects, so you have to take more drugs in order to cover up those side effects. Pharmakia, which is where we get the root word for sorcery from in the Bible. So... Let's go further. I had cancer, so I care about people who have cancer. Or I have AIDS, or I care about people who have AIDS. Um, you may have, that's fine. Personal. My motivation is I have a Savior named Jesus Christ who said, love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't have to be your motivation. It has to be mine. But can we not work together? So quote that verse to the exclusion of all the other verses that tell us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I mean, again, this is all you're going to get from people like Rick Warren. They will only isolate certain uh, verses in Scripture to the exclusion of the rest of uh, myriads of other verses that, you know, preface that and give that biblical balance, okay? That's what we need to have to reconcile the Scriptures biblically, all of the Scriptures. Uh, In building the three legs of the stool. For the last three years, I've been working on a prototype of this. It's called the Peace Plan, P-E-A-C-E. Promote reconciliation, equip ethical leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick, educate the next generation. In my own church, I've had over 7,700 of my members overseas in 68 countries doing this Peace Plan. We learned a thousand ways that don't work. 
but we learned a few dozen that do. And we are learning how to work with businesses and how to work with governments and how to work with churches and mosques. I'll end with this story. Uh, Last December, I was asked by President Bush to be the closing speaker at the Global Summit on Malaria. And I said, I want to just show you why we cannot eliminate malaria, much less any other problem, without houses of worship. Let me just show you one example. So I said, I'll show you three slides. I put up the first PowerPoint slide, and it was a slide of what... Just so you know, according to Jim Humble, there's a product called Miracle Mineral Solution. You can look it up online, MMS. And that cures malaria every single time. In every single village that they have used it, it has a 100% cure rate, 100% of the time. you got to be careful with it and the way you take it, because you can take a little too much, and it can make you sick from a vomiting standpoint. I've been there, done that, not fun. Uh, but they have, from what they, from what they're saying, a hundred percent cure rate with malaria and many other things. Just so you can look that up online. Jim Humble, MMS stands for Miracle Mineral Solution. So we've we've got a cure for malaria. That's just one of the many. But it's all being suppressed. Okay, they're they're. Their uh, deal is, oh, let's give them mosquito nets and vaccinate them. Okay? And the vaccinations are, are horrifically uh, bad, causing sterilization, causing all kind of other horrific things that happen, uh, poisoning their body, essentially. And if somebody's already got malaria, mosquito nets not going to do them a whole lot of good anyway. Most of the people over there already have it. So giving them a mosquito net is all well and good, but if they've already got it, what have you really done for them? No, there's, there's, and this is a super cheap cure for it, okay? But no, 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 no. That's suppressed because we want to kill them. We're going to tell them that we want to help them. We're going to tell them that we want to feed them. And if, if the food distribution worldwide were to be done in any kind of righteous way, we could feed the whole world. No problem. But many times the food sits on docks and rots in different places, or or the wrong type of people get a hold of it, or it never gets to these villages. So be very careful where you're donating money to, okay, regarding charities and things of this nature. Really try to check them out. Make sure your money is actually, uh, that they're being held accountable for what you're giving them. Because so much of the time, this stuff never reaches these people. And so let's go further. Western Rwanda. I said there are 700,000 people in this province. Here are the three hospitals, and I pointed them out on the map. Only three hospitals for 700,000 people. It's a two-day's walk to any hospital. That means if you get sick, you've got to walk over mountains for two days. Two of those hospitals are faith-based, and one of them is secular. It's government-based. So you wouldn't even have two-thirds of that without uh, you know, faith. And then I said, let me show you this, and I showed them the 18 uh, clinics in the western province. So, again, still a day's walk to any of these clinics. And so, again, any faith will do. They're faith-based. It, it could be Catholic, could be Buddhist, Hindu. Any faith will do. You can have faith in uh, the Sesame uh, Street character, Elmo. It, it, as long as it's a faith-based Elmo hop, that's fine. I mean, that's good. It's all good. Faith. We're all on the same footing here. We're all going to the same place is what is implied. No matter what faith you believe, you could, your faith could be Satan. I, I, I've got faith in Satan. We've got the Satan-based hospital. You know, it's a wonderful, caring place. And it, it's just, it's, it's so asinine and crazy what he's doing and what he's trying to justify. And, and he's very good at what he does. I, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Um, I can't imagine the punishment in hell and the lake of fire that is waiting for Rick Warren. I, I can't even comprehend how many millions of souls that as far as blood on his hands as far as souls ultimately going to hell because people followed his lead and um, this is why the Bible says cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord I, I tell people don't ever you know trust in anything that I do uh, blindly check me out you know, check out the information and see if what I mean, this is indisputable because you're hearing it out of his own mouth here. And I give you the links. You can click. You can see it's him talking on YouTube. 
Okay, but we're not supposed to put our faith in man, but the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the incarnate Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. So let's go further. One of those clinics means I've just got a bottle of aspirin on the shelf. That's it. Sixteen of those clinics were faith-based, actually church-based, and two of them were government-based. Then I said, watch this. And I threw up a map with dots all over the map. Dot, 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 everywhere. I said, here are the 726 churches in this province. If you're sick, let's say you have AIDS, where would you like to get your ARVs? After it was over, Melinda Gates came up to me. She says, I get it, Rick. Houses of worship are the... Melinda Gates, Bill Gates' wife, the ones that have put billions and billions of dollars into the vaccination programs for Africa so that they can sterilize and kill as many people and as many as they would term them useless eaters as possible. Everything they're saying as far as their agenda, they act like they're here to help. Their agenda is death. The United Nations agenda, the World Health Organization, Rick Warren, Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, Ted Turner, all these world global organizations that act like they're here to help are liars from the pit of stinking hell. They're here for death. They're here for Satan's agenda and to serve him. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. Doubt it not. That is why they're here. But they come with this slimy, slick veneer trying to convince everybody, Oh, no, no, we're your buddies. We're going to help you out. You need us, and we need you. And we're going to be one big happy apostate family and we're going to take you to hell, and we'll, we'll, you'll, you follow us, and you'll go, oh, no, no, I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to hell, I, I meant you, you'll, you'll be with us in heaven someday. No, they're here to take you to hell, and they're here to kill and to steal and to destroy, because they are of their father, the devil, and of his works and of his lusts, they will do. Distribution center for all we need to do, and that's what we need to partner on. Thank you. Okay, so that was the first... Uh, little. The next clip is going to be a little bit shorter. I just want you to understand the evil that we're dealing here. Uh, that you can be a, a discerner, um, an understander. The Bible talks about the, the children of Ishakar were, were men of understanding. They were men of understanding of the times that they lived in. And they commended them for that. Okay, We are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Why? Lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11. So, this is why we need to learn this. We're living in the most deceptive time the world has ever known. There's deception at every turn. And uh, there's so many snake oil salesmen out there. And he's a big, he's just a glorified snake oil salesman. He's trying to sell you a bill of goods that is absolutely, totally unbiblical. But if you don't know any better, and you're not reading your Bible, and you're not comparing it to Scripture, uh, it sounds pretty good. All of his books that he's wrote, and all these other things. Um... So, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll key into the other clip here. Okay, I just checked my recorder, and I'm going to go ahead and just go to part four now, and we'll pick this up uh, with Rick Warren and then get into more of the Islamic uh, information we need to report. So, God bless you. We'll see you in part four.